Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Shout out to all the friends and family in the room. If you're watching online, what's up with you? What's good? Thanks for being here and tuning in. Um, Listen, uh, uh, this year, last year, uh, if if your name was Karen, you had a rough year last year. (laughs) Um, The word and the name Karen uh, (laughs) became a part of the American vernacular uh, from some stereotypes that unfortunately flared up a little bit in the past year. If you're outside of the know and you're like, Karen, who's Karen? Shoot, my name's Karen. Is this good or bad? Um, like here's, here's how one dictionary, uh, online dictionary, uh, defines a Karen. A Karen is a middle-aged, middle-class woman who is obnoxious, feels a sense of entitlement, and complains about everything. Uh, it's not just women, though, because they're, the equivalent to a Karen is a kin if you're a male, okay? So... <laughs> Guys, you can be obnoxious too. Um, you ever met a Karen or a Ken? They're probably over your homeowners association. Those are the Karen. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, kind of. Um, see, here's the deal with a Karen or a Ken. Nothing is ever good enough for them. Nothing is ever good. It doesn't matter if there are a hundred things that are right and done well, they will find the one thing that is wrong. Um, They love to complain. They love to be negative. I mean, every little thing that they can find to complain about, they will will absolutely do it. The phrase, uh, she's a Karen, (laughs) became code word for people that like to complain about every every little thing in in life. And I guess it it makes sense because uh, stats say as as Americans, we complain a lot more uh, than we show gratitude. In fact, studies show, it's crazy, in America, the average person complains verbally out loud 23 times a day. 23 different times we complain about something that we don't like, someone or something or something that's happening in our life that that we will complain about. I I guess the opposite of, of complaining would be contentment maybe or uh, a positive attitude, being satisfied in life, or uh, being thankful, finding yourself in an in a attitude of gratitude. We're kicking off a brand new teaching series. It's going to go through the month of November called Thankful. And like some of you English nerds out there, you saw that, that slide and you were like, oh no, Thankful only has one L. Who's the loser that put two L's on it? So we, we did that on purpose, right? It's, it's two words, thank and full. Uh, you are going to be full of a lot of things this holiday season. Um, You're going to be full of turkey and dressing some. Maybe your life is going to be full of stress around the holidays. Some of you have been told you are full of other things your entire life. And I'll let you figure that out between your family and friends. But what would it look like for us to be full of thanks, especially over these next eight weeks, this time of year? Come on, like that needs to be something that we are full of, that we have gratitude in our open to being thankful about so many things in our life. I got to call some of you out though, because some of you on November 1st, you turned the page on Halloween and you opened the book on Christmas already. And um, 
let me just let me just straighten that out there. That's offensive to those of us that prefer the eating holidays over the gift giving holidays, okay? There's two types of holidays, you know this. There are holidays where you exchange presents and there are holidays where you eat good food. And I will go to the mat with you that the eating holidays are much greater than the, the Christmas holidays. Uh, or I'm sorry, did I say it out loud? Okay, it's Christmas. I like Thanksgiving, so don't skip it. Like, let's do the Thanksgiving. For those of you that already have the Christmas tunes on the radio, turn it off, okay? Like, just get in the mode of, of Thanksgiving. Why is it so much easier to be negative than it is positive? Why is it so easy to complain and so hard to see things around us in our lives to be thankful for? Because we all have stuff to be thankful for, right? It's obvious if we just take a moment to to think about it, but it, it seems to be really hard, especially in this culture, in this day and age that we find ourselves in. It's, it's much easier to highlight the things that are wrong in life right now, as opposed to the things that are right. It's much easier to identify the ways that we don't like life and the things that are going on that we don't appreciate and that we don't really get excited about than it is to identify those things that are going in our direction. We would much rather complain and find it a lot easier to complain than we find it to show gratitude towards others in our life. Why is that? Why is it so much easier? It's almost natural to be negative. We have to work hard at being positive or being thankful in, in our lives. I, I don't understand it, but scripture actually has a lot to say about gratitude and thankfulness and thanksgiving. There are commands, not, not suggestions, not, you know, you really ought to try to do this, but these are commands in the Bible that command us to be grateful, that followers of Jesus, that should be a characteristic of ours, something that we say and do, something that is who we are in all areas and aspects of our life as grateful people. So I wanna to flip to a, a pretty popular verse. If you've been rolling with church very long or been reading the Bible for very long, you've probably heard this passage preached. You've probably read these verses before. Um, so if you have your Bible, let's do 1 Thessalonians. It's in the New Testament towards the end of the book. If you have your app, all the notes and the text and the sermon notes will be there. And, and uh, if you don't have either one of those, the big Bible on the screen behind me, you can see the, the words on there. But I'm gonna read a, a group of verses that for some of you might be uh, quite familiar. But I hope today, like I wanna switch it up a little bit and, and maybe show you a familiar passage in a, in a, in a new light, a new perspective. Um, so Paul is writing this book in First in Thessalonians chapter five. Uh, we're gonna start in 16. We're just gonna read all three verses, three short to the point verses, and then we'll dig in a little bit. Here's what 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. Never stop praying and be thankful in all circumstances. Now, let me explain to you why this is such an audacious passage, because the apostle Paul is writing this letter and guess where he is? He's in prison. He's in prison, not because he committed a crime. He's in prison because someone found out that he was a bold follower of Jesus. And so he was thrown into prison because of his faith. And he has just the the gall to write as sitting in a prison cell being tortured for something that is unfair in his life, he writes a letter that says, always rejoice, pray all the time. And hey, listen, 
no matter what happens, we can be thankful. What? Let me, let me go into another layer because he's writing this to a specific church in the city of Thessalonica. And this church in particular is under intense persecution. I mean, people are being killed for their faith in this church. They are being imprisoned. Their family members are getting beaten. Like life is terrible for them. And Paul, Paul, talk about not knowing your audience, right? What a weird letter to write to this church. Paul says, give thanks in everything. When you find out that the person that you were sitting beside in church last week isn't here this week because they're locked up in the hospital room because the government came by and beat them, be grateful. Rejoice that one of your family members got kidnapped. And just, just pray all the time. What? It doesn't make sense that he would write this letter to that audience. And then the, the last part is the, the most intriguing part to me. The, the last part says, why do you need to do these three things? Why is this such a big deal? Why is this such a big deal for you and for me today? Because the Bible says, because this is the will of God for your life. Now that's a big statement. That's heavy right there. As a pastor, I get that question a lot. Man, Nathan, I, how do I know what the will of God for my life is? How do I know what God's plan and purpose is? How do I know what God wants me to do with, with my life right here? And th this is a great indicator. Like, like, I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Well, guess what? Here's your sign right here. It's never going to get any more clearer than this. Like it's literally written in black and white right in front of you. This is God's will for your life. And so if you're here today and you're praying and you've been asking God, what is the next step? What do I need to do? What is your will? What is your purpose? I would say this. I would say start with what God has already said. This is my will for your life. Because until you can do step one, don't be surprised if God doesn't give you step two. So before you ask God what's next, do what he's already said is his will for your life today. Rejoice always, never stop praying and be thankful in all circumstances. I wanna reread these verses and, and I wanna show you how probably most people read this text, maybe as you've read it and, and as I've read it out loud, you've already processed it and you're kind of breaking things down into three categories. You're like, I bet this is gonna be a three point sermon and I bet I know what the three points are. Um, so, so for some of you, here's how you read it, right? And, and here's the emphasis that, that, that most people see. Always be joyful, um, never stop praying and be thankful in all circumstances. You think that makes sense, right? There's three things that Paul here is communicating, three things that we need to do, three words that I see. We need to be joyful, we need to be prayerful, and we need to be thankful. I bet that's where it's going. Maybe you've read that before. Maybe you've heard a sermon about that before. You know, honestly, those aren't the three words that intrigue me the most. Those aren't the words that I would argue you or I have a problem with. You wanna know what I have a problem with? You wanna know what makes this so difficult? Check this out. Always be joyful. Always? Like always. Never stop praying. Never stop. Like, does that mean so you don't eat, you pray, you don't sleep? Do you need to pray all night long? Like, what's the deal? Never stop praying. And, and then be thankful in all circumstances. Not some, not most, not in the good and throw away the bad, but in all circumstances be thankful. See, I would argue that 
people in this room, people watching online, we don't have a problem being joyful. There are some times of the year and when everything falls into place and everything happens the way we want it to, it's easy to be joyful, right? Joy is a natural response of ours. So that makes sense. I, I can be joyful. Uh, prayer, yeah. Pray before your meals and pray before you go to bed at night. And if somebody asks you to pray for them, then pray for them as well. And sure, I mean, I even have atheist friends that have admitted to me that even though they don't believe in God, their life has gotten so bad at points that they threw a prayer up. <laughs> They're like, I, I don't even know if you're real. I don't even know if this makes sense. But if you are, just to cover my bases, I'm gonna say this prayer. So prayer is not, I mean, that makes sense for, for most people. And even being thankful, even if it's just one time a year, even if it's just during this season of the year, maybe you're surrounded by your family and friends and, and like life seems great. Even in this moment where we celebrate Thanksgiving around the table with our loved ones, maybe it's just that time, but come on, being thankful, like there are some things that we can be thankful for. None of us have a problem with that. Here's the three words that we have a problem with. Always, nonstop, and in all circumstances. How is that even possible? In a world where it is hard to be grateful, how can we not just show thankfulness, but do it in all circumstances, no matter where we find ourselves? I wanna give you uh, three things to jot down this morning to help us answer these questions that really live up to this command. If you're looking for the secret sauce to gratitude and thankfulness in your life and to be able to execute these commands that, that Paul gives us here in scripture, uh, I wanna challenge you to write these down. Number one is this, how can you be joyful in everything? Like rejoice, always be joyful in all things. Uh, write this down, you gotta understand, joy is not contingent on your circumstances. Joy is not connected to what's going on around you. See, if you miss this, then you're never gonna be joyful <laughs> because there's always gonna be something in your life that is negative or not the way you wanted it or you didn't like it. And so if your joy and your ability to rejoice is connected to everything in the world going right around you and being in perfect order, listen, heads up, you will never have joy in your life. So once Paul helps us understand that joy is not connected to our circumstances, then other parts of scripture begin to come alive as well. Because remember in James chapter one, where James says this really, really wild and crazy verse, he, he talks to this church that is getting persecuted for their faith. And he says, listen, brothers and sisters, count it all joy, be joyful, rejoice always when you face trials of many kinds. Huh? Like when I go through hardships, Count it all joy, count it joy. That doesn't make sense, James, what are you talking about? That word count it means it's a choice. What, what James is saying here is choose joy. Regardless of the trials, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what happens in your life, here's the deal, you can choose joy. You can make that choice and that decision. Now, always be joyful doesn't mean that you're always upbeat and you're always happy. And you ever meet those people that when you're around them, like they just seem, they're just optimist and bubbly all the time, great personality, seem to always be happy. That's not the command here. And the reason we know that's not the command is because we can look at the life of Jesus. And there were times where Jesus wasn't always happy. There were times in Paul's life where he wasn't always happy. So be joyful and rejoice always doesn't mean like every moment of the day, you better fake it till you make it, put a smile on that face, turn the frown upside down and, and just, just be positive. That's not what scripture's saying. 
Scripture's not saying like you need to figure out how to overlook some bad things in your life and just, just put on a face and pretend like you're, you're happy. No, Scripture says that our, our joy is not connected to our outside circumstances. Therefore, you can be sad in life about things going on and still have great joy. You can be disappointed and still have great joy. You can be going through trials and be in a state of pain in your life. But scripture says, yet you can still have joy. How is that? Well, it's when you realize that your joy is not connected and contingent upon your outside circumstances. When you realize that your joy as a follower of Jesus is connected to who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, the promises that we read in scripture, the promises that God has spoken over your life. We're gonna look at some of those promises in a second, but when we realize who Jesus is and what he's done for us, the hope that we have in him, the peace that we have in him, the satisfaction, the fulfillment, the future that he has for us in his hands, even when life is difficult, we can choose joy. That is why a dude sitting in the bottom of a prison can write to a church that's getting physically beaten for their faith and can say, rejoice always. Always be joyful in every aspect of your life. Second thing he says, I want you to, I want you to pray continuously. So why should you never stop praying? Why did Paul say that? Why is that so important for us? Here's the thing, prayer changes your perspective. Your attitude of gratitude and your pursuit of thankfulness in your heart is very much connected to your perspective. If you can figure out a way to change your perspective in life, some of the things that you are least thankful for, if your perspective changes, you'll realize those are some of your greatest blessings in life. So many people would love to be where you are sitting right now, even on your worst day. Your problems would be the dreams of other people around the world. And prayer begins to change that perspective. Now let's clarify something. Does that mean, does pray constantly, pray without ceasing, does that mean that we should pray all day long, like constantly in a state of prayer? Don't eat, don't sleep. No, of course not. Again, that's not what Jesus did. Paul did not do that. Like you can't tell me that when Jesus slept eight hours a night, he was being disobedient to God by not praying. It doesn't mean that. Here's something interesting about the word that Paul uses here when he says without ceasing or constantly or continually. It's actually a medical term. It's a medical term that doctors use to describe someone that had, you ready for this? Pretty gross, a hacking cough. You ever had like a real bad hacky cough? Like you're not coughing all of the time, right? It's not like a nonstop, like you can't catch your breath, you're coughing, but a cough will hit you out of nowhere, right? I mean, you could be mid-sentence speaking and the cough just like comes out, you can't help it. Uh, you can wake up in the middle of the night coughing, like you're, you're taking NyQuil or trying to sleep on your stomach, you're doing whatever it takes. Like you're, you're at work and in the office and like, have you had a bad cough lately? People treat you like you got leprosy, right? I mean, man, I can hear, it's crazy how times have changed. I can hear someone cough on the other side of the grocery store and like I'm abandoning my cart. I'm like, oh no, I'm gone, I'm gone. Can't be in here with a cougher. Who knows what they have? This hacking, nagging cough that you have, like when you're just trying to shake it, that's the same language that the Bible uses for your prayer life. It's not all the time, but it's, it's constant and it's continual. 
And it's, it's operating throughout the day. Like it doesn't have to be a certain plan time. You're just in this state of mind where just instantly you can pray. Instantly something can come to your mind. Instantly at, at any time it can be, a, a thought can be triggered or, or you can have this, this posture of prayer consistently. And what happens when that's your posture consistently? It changes your perspective. Uh, prayer allows you to take your eyes off of the problem that's in front of you and put your eyes on the one that can solve it. Prayer allows you to have God's perspective that even when you face difficulties in life, you know that God can teach you things through it. You know that there's ways that you can learn, there's ways that you can grow, there's ways that you can get better. Prayer allows us to kind of elevate our eyes and our perspective and put them on God. And it's amazing what will happen and how gratitude and thankfulness in your heart grows when you take your mind off of what you're complaining about and put it on something else. So Paul here says, like, I I know it seems tough. Life seems tough sometimes. It's a struggle. Um, but, But you, when you're praying to God, you begin to see who has control of the future. You begin to see the promises that God has given you. And it changes your whole perspective in life. That's why Paul says, hey, listen, if you want to move from being a complainer, being a Karen, to being whoever the opposite of Karen is, uh, then you need to change your perspective. You need to fix your gaze on something different. Put your eyes on God in prayer. Do that constantly and watch how that changes. Prayer shifts your focus from what you're complaining about to what you have to be thankful for. Last thing is this, number three, how, how in the world can you and I be thankful in all things? Not some things, in all things. Here's the big thing. I want you to write this down. This, this, this might change your relationship with God in the future. Choices lead and feelings follow. I need you to get that. Choices lead and feelings follow. I can't tell you how many people I've seen walk away from their faith and their relationship with God because their faith was built on feelings. Hey, Nathan, I just don't feel God right now. Like, I just don't feel like doing what God tells me to do. I don't feel God's presence. And therefore, since I can't feel God's presence, then that must mean he's not there. Hey, Nathan, I just don't feel like sacrificing right now. I don't feel like serving right now. I don't feel like giving right now. And we've got this generation of people whose entire faith is not based on the word of God, but on how they feel at the moment. I'm telling you, if you want to know how people walk away from their faith overnight, it's because they've built it on feelings. And the problem with feelings is eventually you'll wake up one day and you won't feel like following Jesus. You won't feel like you've felt God in a long time. And if it's based on feelings, you'll be gone. We don't have to feel thankful for something in order to be thankful for something. Did you know that? Did you know that we can make a decision in our minds that this life, this family, this job, this money, this house, this car, these possessions, these coworkers, these friends, these neighbors, this is what I'm going to be thankful for. We can make that, it's a choice. We can make that choice. Paul says, in all circumstances, you can choose gratitude. And here's what I wanna challenge you on. If you begin to choose gratitude, watch how your feelings will follow your choices. 
You choose, you say, this is what I'm grateful for. God, you've given me so much. You've blessed me with so much. Look at this family I have. Look at these friends. Look at these possessions. Look what you've protected me from. Look how you've sustained me. Look how you've provided for me. You begin to think like that and your feelings will soon follow because if you're waiting to feel thankful for something, to be thankful for something, you'll be waiting for a long time and you'll never be thankful. Why? Because there's always something that we can identify that we're not thankful for. Always something wrong, always something to complain about, always something that doesn't fit our idea of what life should be. Now I wanna make sure you see another word in, in this, because uh, I, I, don't, I, don't I don't wanna be confusing. Paul says, be grateful in all circumstances. He doesn't say be grateful for all circumstances. There's a difference between in and for, right? I'm not saying you go to the doctor on Monday morning, the doctor walks in and says, well, Mr. Klein, I got some bad news for you. You have cancer. And I'll look up at the doctor and say, well, all right. <laughs> Praise God. Super. Love it. Thankful. No. He doesn't say you find out tomorrow that you lost your job. Hey, you've been picked out of everyone in the office to, to be a part of the downsizing. Oh crap, I've never been picked for anything. How about that? Lucky me. I'm so thankful for this. Nah, scripture says don't, it's not thankful for, it's thankful in. Do you see the difference between that? See, thankful in, gratitude in the midst of uncertainty is a sign of maturity. If the only way you're grateful is that everything is going your way, that you're grateful for things, then you won't be grateful very much because life is hard. And things happen that we can't explain, that we wish didn't happen to us and to those around us. But if you can learn to be thankful in things, regardless of how it unfolds around you, that is an incredible key to thankfulness. You wanna know how that plays out? You get a bad doctor's report and you stop. And you say, God, I don't know what to do, but I can be thankful in the fact that your word says that you are the ultimate healer. You could lose your job tomorrow and you can stop and fix your perspective on God and say, you know what, God, I don't know how these ends are gonna meet. I don't know how this new job is gonna, I don't know how, what I'm gonna do in my life. I don't know what the future holds, but God, your word says, you know what the future holds, that you have a plan for every one of your followers, a plan to prosper them, a plan to bring them things in their life that you have laid out. So God, I don't know the future, but I can be grateful in the fact that you know the future. God, I don't know how I'm gonna sustain myself. And so I'm grateful that your word says that you are the one that sustains your people. I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this, but God, you are gonna make a way. You are gonna provide. You are gonna sustain. You are gonna be the light in the darkness. You are gonna be a constant help in times of trouble. God, I don't feel you right now, but I know your word says you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. And so I am thankful in that, even though I feel very alone and isolated right now. And a lot of things around me say, you shouldn't be thankful, but I can be thankful in these things. That's a sign of incredible maturity. It's a sign that no matter how bad life gets around you, you can still be grateful, full of thanks. What would it look like for us to embrace that mentality over these next few weeks? <laughs> what would it look like for us to always be joyful? to pray constantly and to be thankful in 
all things. That'd be a game changer for you, be a game changer for your family, for your attitude, for your health, for your outlook on life. It'll impact so many different people around you. Let's try to embrace those commands that God gives us. Here's how I kind of break it down. I, when I look at those three words, uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind, when, when Paul says, be joyful always, when I think of joy, I think of looking up. Hey, right now, just put your gaze on God, who he is, what he has said, the promises that he has given through his word. Look up first. You want to know the secret to thankfulness and gratitude? First of all, look up. Then Paul says, what do you do? You pray constantly, then you bow your head down. Don't look at what's going on around you. Don't look at the problem in front of you. Bow your head, look up and rejoice first. Look down, bow your head second in prayer. And then the last thing Paul says is look around. Hey, can you just look around for a second? There's so many things around you right now that you can be thankful for your health, your family, your friends. Did you know that if you have a roof over your head, that there are over a billion people on the world today that don't have that? A billion people walking the planet right now that do not have a roof over their head. And yet you are one of them. The blessings that God has given, all of the things around you, that job that you walked in here thinking you hate it, you can walk out realizing how much of a blessing that is those provisions that you have, the way that God has provided, look up and rejoice, look down and bow your head in prayer. And then Paul says, man, look around you, look around you. You got so much to be thankful for. Don't miss what God is doing in your life. I know it's not all perfect. I know sometimes you wish you had more, or you wish it was a little bit different or wish you could change some things in life. But when it comes down to it, you look up, you look down, you look around, we'll have a lot to be thankful for. God's doing some incredible things. So let that change your heart and change your attitude. Let that usher in this feeling of thankfulness, not just during this time of the season, but let that mark your life. Always be joyful. Pray without ceasing, nonstop, and be grateful, be thankful, be full of thanks in all circumstances in your life. For this is the will of God on your life. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for that command. Not a suggestion, not a, I hope this works out, not a let's try this and just see what happens, but it's a command connected to a promise that we can know the will of God for our lives today, a simple step of obedience, a simple act of worship to choose, not to just, not to just rejoice and be filled with joy, but to always be joyful. What, what a mark of a follower of Jesus, then to always be joyful, even in the midst of hardship and pain. God, that we would pray constantly to, to constantly change our perspective, put it from what it's on right now and the problems that we have and whatever we're facing and put it on you. God, I'm telling you, if we were to do that, I know that it would change our lives in a powerful way. And God, help us to see in the midst of a world that is constantly complaining, surrounded by kins and Karens, God, help us to be people that see the obvious ways that you are blessing and providing. There are so many things that we can be thankful for today. Help us to see those in a really clear way and respond in worship to you. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your forgiveness, uh, for second chances, for the patience that you have with a bunch of complainers like us. Help us to be people full of gratitude, full of thanks for you. 
and what you've done for us. I pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.